firerecruitmentaustralia.com. Become a firefighter without wasting years of your life, time, money, and effort on things that won't work. Get the facts and what works. You're listening to the Fire Recruitment Australia podcast with your host, Brent Clayton. Hey there, it's Brent Clayton from FireRecruitmentAustralia.com with a podcast episode on how to become a firefighter without wasting years of your life, time, money and effort on things that don't work. So each week we'll be covering a topic that you may need to get some more skills in or improve on in order to improve your chances of becoming a firefighter. We will cover theory and also real-life case studies of how people have overcome those issues through using what we teach. So in today's episode, we're going to be covering the fire service interview, which is generally a behavioural-based interview, and we'll be covering the fundamentals of the fire service interview, uh, the pitfalls that our coaches see time and time again, the common issues that keep popping up. We'll also cover a case study of one of our clients and... If you stick around to the end, I'm going to have a special offer for those people that are listening to our podcast. All right, so today we're lucky enough to have Leah Lambert, who's one of our best coaches. She's been working with us for the past three years, helping uh, turn people's dreams into reality. So Leah has 13 years specialised experience in the HR and recruitment sector. And she's also been working with us for the past three years, seen some really successful results. So, Leah, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Brent. Uh, not at all. That's It's great to have you on. So I'm just going to ask you, what are the common pitfalls that you see time and time again with applicants applying to the fire service or any service for that matter? Yeah, well, look... I think there's a, there are some common mistakes that people make, mm. um, not not just people trying to get into the fire service, but across the board. Um, first of all, you know, the, the questions that are asked by the panel at the fire services, it's a really difficult interview. Um, and I work with people across all the industries. That, um, and, you know, this is one of the, the toughest interviews that people have, that our clients have. Um, so I think the first thing is understanding the difference between the types of questions that will be asked. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to categorise them into general questions, first of all, and that they're questions like, tell us about your strengths, tell us about your weaknesses, what are your transferable skills, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, so the general across-the-board sort of questions. That's right. Um, then they can also ask situational questions, such as, what would you do if you noticed that one of your colleagues uh, was not behaving as they normally would at work and they appeared to be under stress? Or um, what would you do if there was a conflict in your team? So yeah. that's uh, more of a what we, we call a situational. So it's not something that you have to have demonstrated. You don't have to have an example of it. It's something that they're asking you what you would do in that situation. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. And then the third type, which are the dreaded behavioural questions that everyone (laughs) hates. (laughs) Um, And these questions are asked to test a particular competency. So that competency might be communication, teamwork, uh, conflict resolution, etc. And the fire services tend to test a, a number of these competencies in, in their panel interview. Yeah. 
So these these behavioural questions, they expect you to answer um, those questions using the STAR format, which yep. is a particular structure. Yeah. Um, so we, we work with um, the candidates that you send through to help them understand what that really means. Yeah, and there'd be a correct way to use that format and an incorrect way, I'd imagine. Some people probably think they know how to use it and others do. Would that be correct? Very much so. So it's, it's really understanding what that competency is that they're testing and what detail you need to get in your example to show that you meet that competency. Yeah. And look, we you know we do see a lot of clients who come in and say, look, I know star, I'm fine with that. <laughs> but when you get into it, those nitty gritty, you find that they really don't understand it as well as they need to. Yeah, which can be very disappointing for people when they you know get the the letter or whatever it is to say, um, yeah, sorry, not this time. When they thought they had it in the bag, I could imagine. That that is correct. Yes. <laughs> um. I guess some of the other things we see is, you know, people don't really listen carefully enough to the questions. Yep. Um, and, and in particular, the behavioural questions, sometimes it's really hard to identify what competency they're actually testing. Yeah. Um, so, for example, uh, say a question about communication, they could ask you, tell us about a time when you had to adapt your communication style. So yeah. that one's pretty obvious that it's a question about communication. Yeah. Um, but in, if they can phrase it in a different way. Like they could say, tell us about a time when you were misunderstood and what you did. Yeah, yeah, okay? for sure. So it's about being able to see, get soak the question in enough to see what they're actually mm-hmm. getting at. That's right. And, you know, in my view, I think that really you need to practice Reading lots of different behavioural questions, yeah, so that you can you can quickly identify what they're getting at. For sure, and would you agree on the fact that the more that you're exposed to this sort of situation, um, the more comfortable you get with it, which allows you to listen to the question more fully. Yes, yeah. So if you if you've practiced a lot, you 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 used to reading these questions, then you know exactly. What usually, you know, if you've, if you've read enough of them, you know that all these types of questions were for communication yeah. or teamwork and, and you can quickly work out what example you... And in these pressure interviews, you <laughs> need to know what example you're going to use straight away. Yeah. Um, I think uh, a lot of people might fall into the trap of just rehearsing specific answers for specific questions when... In my mind, it seems like you need to get to a point where you're so comfortable with what you have done and achieved in your life that you can pick out a better example depending on the way the question's asked. Would that be true too? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, that might mean you have several examples. Um, You know, so for teamwork, for instance, they might ask about your experience working in an effective team yeah. But they could also ask about your experience working in an ineffective team. Yeah. Um, so if you've only got one example for a working, a, a positive example, then you're going to be put <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't tend to work out that well in uh, what I've heard and seen. So, yeah, I can agree with that for sure. Yeah. Um, and look, another one, I guess with these behavioural questions um, that are asked often by the fire services, 
they can be double or triple barrel questions. Yes. So, for example, they might say, uh, ask you, tell us about a time when you had experience interacting with our diverse community. Yes. What did you learn from this and how would you apply it to the fire service? Yes. So there's three parts to that question. Yes. Um, so, again, if you don't haven't practiced answering those types of questions, that can really throw someone in the interview. For, for sure. And I think you have to be able to understand that there is three questions in there and that can only come through practice and good guidance. That's right. And, and really thinking about every example you use, how that is going to what you've learned from that and how you're going to apply it back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Another key thing is people not really understanding that it's a very competitive process and that they need to sell themselves. Well, you know. Yeah, that was something I was going to touch on. Um, I've done some stats over the past, I don't know, seven years, and your opportunity to get a position with one of these services goes anyway from half a percent to to 25%, so it's vast, but you need to just say there's four pe- 400 people in the um, final interview pool. There's some real competition there, so it's about what you've done to prepare and to be able to show the panel what makes you a better applicant over the other 400 people. That's right, and look, I think that's really understanding the role of the organisation thoroughly and understanding what your strengths are, what your what the transferable skills are that you have and and your personal attributes, you know, you're part of your personality, um, which is, you know, the things that you're born with, you know, and it's understanding the difference between all of those as well. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, we often start off, you know, working with the candidates to help them understand the difference between, you know, understand their strengths and weaknesses but also understanding their the skills that they've got and, yeah. and the attributes that they bring. Yeah, and how to communicate them effectively. That's right. And look, you know, as, as you know, Brent, there's guys that go it'll get again to the fire service who come from all different backgrounds. So, you know, you know, some are from office jobs, some are tradies, some are, you know, got their own businesses. It, it, they've all got transferable skills to bring, but it's really understanding what they are yeah. and being able to articulate those. Absolutely, and I really, I really think that what you said about the competitiveness of the industry is so important because one guy that does no preparation, you know, is barely got any chance at all. Really, when you look at it compared to someone in a similar, similar shoes that understands that they need to do preparation and gets gets the help to make sure that they're you know, up in that sort of top 5 or 10% so that they've at least got a chance. Yeah. I mean, I think even if you've got really, you know, a job that you think you've got such, you know, transferable skills that you're going to just wing it and get in, you know, I just don't think that's going to happen in, yeah. in this process anymore. There is the odd unicorn, but it, it is just that, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's the very yeah. odd person that... You know, their skill is being able to sell themselves. But in general, most people find it really hard to talk about themselves, let alone sell themselves. And we're talking about a system where you need to be able to learn how to do it if you can't already because I've seen literally, you know, a 100 people that would be excellent for the job but they just haven't learnt or invested in themselves in learning how to 
talk and sell that across to the panel that makes a decision. And let's be honest, this is the biggest exposure you will get to the recruitment panel throughout the whole process. Yeah, and look, I think a lot of that comes down to also how you organise your responses and how you structure your answers. Because unstructured answers, you're not going to get your point across. Um, but if you've, you know, worked at structuring your responses so that you can really articulate, the, you know, what you can bring and what you can offer them, um, then you've got a much better chance. Yeah. And so we we work with um, the candidates that you sent through to help them structure their responses to the general questions and the situational and the behavioural questions. Yeah, and I, I think, like, all of that work is excellent for a number of reasons because they've got the structured answers and they've looked into their past and figured out what their skills are and all that sort of stuff. But it also allows them to be a bit more relaxed and show their personality, which I believe adds a good percentage towards how the panel feels about you as, a, as an applicant. And, and yeah, that's right. I mean, if you, you have to practice a lot so that you know your you know your responses and your examples you're going to use really well. So that yeah, so you can just be yourself, and it's a little bit more natural. Yeah, and I, I think people read that, and it, it's positive anyway towards your application. I was wondering if you might be able to share a bit of a case study with us of a recent person and and their problem when they came to you uh, as far as applying to the fire service. Yeah, look, um, there was a guy that you sent through to us, um, I'm just trying to think when it was, probably earlier this year. Um, He'd been trying to, look, he had a, a job that had all the transferable skills um, you know, he worked at heights, he'd worked in confined spaces, he'd managed teams, he'd done lots of, uh, you know, extracurricular activities that are also involved all of those things. And, you know, he got through all the other parts, but he, he'd been trying to get in for a couple of years and the feedback he'd got from the interviews was that he um, didn't provide enough detail to his star examples, if for yeah. behavioural questions, um, that he talked too quickly and didn't sell himself. Imagine that, like, two years of his life because, you know, basically because of not learning this process so much. Like, that's a fair impact, isn't it? Well, yeah, look, I guess you know the process more than I I do, Brent, but, you know, even just, you know, the whole fitness component and keeping that fitness up and, uh, you know, your life's on hold, I guess, until you know whether you've got it, whether you're going to get in or not. Um, yeah. And, he, you know, he, he came to me and earlier this year and we worked on, first of all, structuring his answers and really brainstorming the best examples that he could use for each, for each competency, for yeah. example. Yeah. And sometimes we, we, he'd have, you know, two or three and we'd talk through each one and work out which one was the best and yeah. which one was going to give him enough depth to his answer. Yeah. Um, and look, I think he came back a second time and then we did a mock interview uh, closer to the actual interview, yeah. um, which, you know, an hour session where I'd fire questions at him for 40 minutes and then spend 20 minutes <laughs> giving feedback on each one. Yeah, put him um, under the heat. That, so get him familiar with the sort of feeling that he's going to be exposed to in the actual, actual interview scenario. That's right. And look, when he left after that mock interview, I thought if... He was so prepared. I thought, if he doesn't get in, I think I'll have to quit my job. But, um, but 
but he did get in, which was a fantastic result. And look, he's absolutely stoked. And I think he couldn't quite believe it himself. But, um, <laughs> you know, literally, I think he had worked, he worked for months on those responses and practiced with, you know, his wife at home, practiced with a friend in HR. Yeah. Um, you know, so like he just, he basically treated that like a full time job. Yeah. Um, getting it getting himself ready for that interview. So um, we were thrilled uh, that he got in. <laughs> yeah, look, that's, that's, that's a really – that's sort of why I do this because it, it feels great when you do hear from the guys that you've helped and how happy they are. And and you you sort of changed his life in a way, to, to be honest. <laughs> like um, there's nothing that you'd put that amount of time into, call it three years, you know, without any – guaranteed outcome and, and hearing a positive outcome like that is it's just fantastic. Yeah, and look, you know, he, he actually really liked his current job, but he really wanted to do something that would apply those skills to do something that was more meaningful, um, that was more, you know, community-based. And, yeah, he, you know, absolutely thrilled to, to get that call and say that he'd been selected. So, yeah, um, yeah very rewarding. <laughs> What uh, what do you reckon the lessons are out of that for this guy? Well, look, I, I think, um, first of all, really thinking about what examples are going to be the best examples and really spending time nothing those out. Yeah. Um, I also think, you know, just that practice, you know, practicing aloud is, you know, so important. It's not just thinking about, what sort of answers you're going to give, but it's practicing them aloud over and over again until yeah. you know it inside out. Yeah, um, one of the things I got out of it was as a lesson is that his continual um, investment in himself, as far as you said, he's t- treating it like a full-time job, has paid off by he's committed to it. And he's invested the time, and he's invested the resources in coming and getting the help. Yeah, that that is a big lesson to me. That that is the way to go about it to become successful. It, like it's it is that competitive. So you need to look at it as a as an investment in yourself because those skills that he's got now they don't just fly out the window because he's got his job. He'll go for promotional uh, interviews and stuff as he progresses through the ranks. So. That's right. And, you know, from now on, he knows what he needs to do when he's going for an important interview. And, you know, just he, he just knew that the, the organisation Inside Out, he'd done so much research, he'd spoken to so many people, um, but he also knew over that time really knew himself well also, you know, where his strengths were, where his potential weaknesses were. Um, and, you know, I think it's really important to be self-aware and really know what you've got to work on. Yeah, for sure. And you're not going to get, no one's going to give that to you. You have to do the work and make the investment in yourself to find that out. And it's a, it sticks with you for your, for your life. And that's what I really liked about learning about interviews. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's that's pretty much it. You know, I think they're the key thing. And, you know, I think, it's, as you said, everything that we've talked about, it's just uh, investing that time and the effort and hopefully you'll see the reward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now, just to wrap this up and let you get back to 
business. <laughs> I like to finish off the episode with some action steps or takeaways for the people listening so that they can go away from this and actually get to work on a specific, you know, area that we've spoken about. Have you got some okay. for us? Yeah, look, first of all, I'd say research whichever organisation you're interviewing interviewing for thoroughly. Yeah. Um, you, ne- you need to know the role and the organisation inside out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think obviously there's a lot of questions that they also ask about your understanding of the role and what's expected of you. The easy bit, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, secondly, you know, research all the likely interview questions that you're likely to be asked. Yeah. Um, and start getting, you know, get a portfolio or a folder together of all those different types of questions um, so that you feel that you, you can pretty much answer anything that's thrown at you. Yeah, we um, we keep a library of them on our online portal for our members. It's I've been building it for like seven years and I, I think it's one of the, you know, most valuable things that you can do. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that point. Um, I guess another key thing is be really clear on your motivation for joining and, and being able to articulate that. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of often meet people who come along and when they talk about their motivation, it, it kind of sounds like they just decided the other day that they <laughs> might like to join. And when you dig a bit deeper, you find that maybe it's something they've been thinking of since they were, you know, a teenager and that they've got family who already in the service. So you've really got to get that across. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, um, I, I see that nearly, nearly daily. Um, people, you ask them, like it's in there, it's inside, but unless they've spent the time to sit down and sort of really have a think about it and flesh it out, communicating that is, yeah, not something that they're ready to do. So that's a really good takeaway as well. Another thing, you know, being really clear on the difference between your skills and your personal attributes and your strengths. I think that's important. Uh, understanding the behavioural questions and the star method that you need to use. Like that, I, don't, I just don't think it would be possible to get through these interviews unless you are really on top of that. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I agree. The more I sort of see and get to know about it, a lot of the time that takes a, a bit of you know qualified guidance and feedback on where you're at at the time. So, yeah, really important. Um, and I, I think... The final one is just practice. You know, practice your answers aloud with whoever will listen. <laughs> and, um, and you know, I'm not talking about the, you know, I've, I've seen some people who've come in and it's, you know, about four days before the interview. Um, <laughs> I think you need to start practicing about four months before the interview or as soon as you know about it anyhow. Yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. Um yeah, you can't just rock up a week before and expect to get this all in the bag. It's a, it's more of a long-term uh, process. Good, well, I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Leah, uh, I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing a heap of valuable knowledge uh, with us. So if anybody wants to get coached by Leah or her team, and me for that matter, it's part of our membership coaching program, which you can find over at firerecruitmentaustralia.com.au. Or you can book individual sessions through fireserviceinterview.com. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. It's been really valuable. Thanks again, Leah. Well, that, no, thank you for having me. And I should say that there's also, we have uh, lots of other coaches around the country who do this. It's not just me. Yep. Um, there's 
three of us in Melbourne alone and there's others in Sydney and all the other states. So um, we, we love doing the work with the guys that you send through to us. So, um, yeah, we're very grateful to be invited to, you know, very grateful to be part of this today. Yeah, thanks again, Lena. Thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Brent. All right, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, bye. Bye, thank you. At the start of the episode, I said I'd have a special deal for you. If you head over to firerecruitmentaustralia.com.au, you can go and download my interview decoder for free. Uh, Also, if anybody's interested in getting a membership, I'm currently offering a free coaching session with me where we can work one-on-one on your interview skills. So that offer is only for a limited time. So if you're interested in getting some help from me, that will be inside membership. So go over there and check that out if that's something that you think you need a bit of help with. So if the interview is an area you want to improve on, this is a really good opportunity to go over there, get the whole course, get the coaching, uh, get access to the question library that I talked about earlier and the video practice software that I've got in there. So you've also got access to a question builder so that you can work on your questions in there. It's, it's a really good resource. So yeah, Great opportunity. I'm Brent Clayton. This is a podcast episode from firerecruitmentaustralia.com. Thanks for listening in and I'll talk to you You're soon. You're listening to the Fire Recruitment Australia podcast with Brent Clayton. Visit firerecruitmentaustralia.com.